0: That was pretty weak for opening day of NFL Sunday. Good morning, Livingstones. There we are. All right, I'm going to dismiss our Kickstart kids, all of our fourth and fifth graders. You guys head on up and get on out of here. We will see you guys when service is, is done. But it really is so good to be gathering together and worshiping with our church family today. And uh, just with it being Jersey Sunday, I think one of the things that just makes me smile is... Just the diversity that we have within our our church family here, um, you know. Like I saw John this morning being a Vikings fan, and and I suppose it's all right. I'm glad you're here, John. And uh, I, I I can't I don't I don't know if I saw Ed Gaddy or not, but I was I was expecting to see Ed in his Cowboys uh, jersey. And even you Bears fans, I'm glad you guys are here today um, as well. You know, it really is a testament to the goodness and the grace. Of God, you know that that He can really take a diverse group of people and make them one body together. Um, except for Patriots fans, like I, I, I'll just like I, I'm I'm I like I just got to say, you know, in Mark three where Jesus talks about you know the unforgivable sin being blasphemy in the Holy Spirit, he might have just forgotten to mention being a Patriots fan too. But for whatever for whatever that's worth. Um, I I do have something, though, I do need to share with you before we get into our message this morning. Just a a bit of of news, actually, that I was informed of right before I I came up here. And so I'm just going to kind of speak to you from my heart about it. Um, In fact, I actually have a picture to show you, if you don't mind putting that up on the screen. Um, That Even though it is week one... I just got word the Bears have already been eliminated from playoff contention. I don't even know how that's mathematically possible. But I just thought I'd pass it along before we got into our message today. But I am excited uh, to, to be with you guys here today. We are starting a new series this morning uh, all about purpose. You know, uh, purpose. What is it that God has for me? Why am I here? What, what is it that God wants me to do in the brief time that we are here on this earth, and 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 I know every one of us, like we all have a desire in our life to know that our life our life mattered, that it counted for something. That that you know we, that that we that we you know nobody wants to look back on their life and think, man, I, I wasted my life. I, I don't know what I was here for, and and we, and we have like just this this tiny short window of time. And in fact, the in the book of James, Jesus's brother writes about how our life is is just it's it's like a vapor. It's here for a moment and then it's gone. And at Andy Williams' funeral two weeks ago, more than one person stood up and talked about legacy. You know, what is it that we leave behind? You know, what, what is, you know, because again we wanna our, our we want to know that our lives mattered, that we made that we made a difference, that we counted for something. And we all feel this tension in our lives in one way or another. Because we, 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 we all have just this, this ingrained something inside of us that says there's way more to life than just getting up, going to work, paying bills, carting the kids around, doing house projects, coming home, and then starting it all over again the next day. And, and ultimately in this series, I, I hope to kind of approach this topic from, uh, from an angle that, I, that, I, that will help us just uh, ponder, to, to be wondering, all right, God, what is my place In the story that that you are telling, that you're writing. And so I want to begin this morning by talking about something that every one of us have experienced in one way or another. And, And it would be this idea that we've all had dreams. We, like you know, when we lay down at, at night, we we've all dreamt dreamt, and sometimes we we don't remember our dreams. Sometimes we have these wild, off the wall, crazy type dreams, and uh, like. I, I, and I talked with Angie Metters about this, so she gave me her permission to to share this. So I'm not speaking out of turn. But before Angie went to be a teacher when she was on staff here at Livingstones, one of the, one of the things that uh, as a staff we used to always enjoy is getting together at lunch and Angie telling us just some of her like. Crazy dreams that she would have because she, angie wouldn't have like normal dreams that that we, you know like I, having a dream that we're falling or having a dream like that we're up in front of people speaking in public in, in your underwear or being or being chased or, or you know or, or something like that like she didn 't have normal dreams. she had these way out there kind of dreams in fact, the one that really kind of uh, sticks in my in my head the most was she had a dream that she was playing football. With I believe it was the Notre Dame football team, and it, but instead of throwing a football around, they were actually throwing around livers, I, like they were playing football with. So so for any of you amateur psychotherapists out there, if like if if you if you have a diagnosis or an interpretation of what that playing football with a liver, I have a conversation with Angie after uh, after service today. But 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 in talking about dreams, I, I'm not talking about the kind of dreams we have that. That might seem crazy after maybe we ate some bad Chinese the night before. But I'm talking about dreams that we have about our future. Dreams we have about what's going to, what's going to occur in, in our life. What, what do we want to see? You know, like, like when, we, when we were kids, we had dreams about what we wanted to do and what we wanted to be when we grew up like wanting to be an astronaut or be a firefighter or being an archaeologist or something like that or or, or we've had dreams about what life would be like someday. I remember before we had kids Angel and I talking and having dreams about, "Alright, what's life going to be like having kids?" Or we have dreams about, you know, our our career path, dreams about what marriage is going to be like. And 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 I shared a quote in one of my earliest sermons that that I was here as as your pastor And I had forgotten about it until Andrew Ulbricht reminded me of it this summer at the seismic retreat. And it's by the great philosopher Mike Tyson. If you can actually put it up on the screen, that that he said, everybody has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. And and I think that there's so much. I'm going to give Mike Tyson a lot of credit. There's a lot of wisdom in that. That that everybody has plans. Everybody has dreams. Everybody has thoughts. And then one day you get punched in the mouth. One day life happens, and it kind of throws all of it out the window. I mean, the, this this idea that he was sharing here—you know, any any boxer, any anybody who is you know a UFC fighter—like they train for weeks or for months for their big fight coming up. They they prepare for their opponent. They have a plan. They have a strategy going into into the fight of how they're going to win. Maybe they know some of the weaknesses of their opponent, and they they're trying to. Strategize. all right, how am I going to exploit those weaknesses? And then on fight night, you come into the, the fight and you have a plan, but once the bell rings, once the bell rings, you can't predict what's going to happen next. Somet- something happens that maybe you didn't expect. Maybe your opponent, he was working on those weak areas that you had been preparing for. Or you get punched in the mouth and you have to compensate in one way or another. I, th- this is the same kind of sentiment that was first uttered by the Prussian field marshal Helmut von Moltke. If you can put that up on the screen uh, for me, please. Yeah, this is is Helmut uh, von Moltke. And he said, he was a a, a Prussian field marshal, and he said, no plan survives first contact with the enemy. No plan survives first contact with the enemy. And and, and he was writing a, a military training manual. And you're saying, all right, Italy, you can go into war. You can go into battle. You can have all these plans, all these dreams, all these thoughts about how it's going to go. But then when you step on the field of battle, things happen. Stuff, stuff comes up. And life, life occurs. Things that we didn't expect. Things we weren't prepared for. I mentioned a moment ago about how Angel and I, like, we, we had dreams and thoughts about what it was going to be like having kids. And before you have kids, you have all these grand, wonderful thoughts about just how wonderful everything's going to be. And you parents know, like kids have a way of throwing a wrench in all those plans that you had. And not not even always in a bad way, Michaela. It could it could be in good ways, good ways too. Or or you had like I'm I just sharing with you. I I had plans and thoughts and ideas of what it was going to be like when I first stepped into the the lead pastor position here at Livingstones. And then four months into, my pastorate here, COVID hit. And so many of those thoughts and ideas ended up going out the window. Or, or, or maybe you've had dreams about what your future was going to be like. And then life happened. Maybe it was a sickness or, or a car accident or you lost your job. Or maybe you had dreams about what marriage was going to be like, what family was going to be like. And an affair rocked those dreams maybe a, a, a divorce choices that that a child or a spouse made that just kind of took all of those dreams and thoughts and ideas that you had and just totally turned them upside down and, and one of the ways that oftentimes that we cope with this that that we cope with the the the, ad, the aspect that life happens and, and kind of disrupts all those thoughts and dreams we have is that we just stop dreaming altogether that's one of the ways that we that we cope with it the that, that I, I thought life, I thought marriage, I thought my career, I thought parenting. I thought life was going to be like this. And, and now my reality is anything but what I thought it was going to be. And so in, instead of being continually disappointed, I find it easier, all right, I'm just not going to dream at all. My dreams and plans never seem to come to fruition, so what's the point? And there's a few things that I that I feel like God wants us to hear on this, So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. If you can put the, our next slide up for me, please. And it's... Oh, I, how did that get up there? I, John, John, I'm blaming my daughter. She's running slides today. I, I, I don't... Regan, you shouldn't put that up there. That's just not nice. Oh, man. You can write that down if you're taking notes. But what I really wanted you to write down actually it is this, is that what stops us from dreaming big dreams is sometimes a wrong view of life. A wrong view of life. You know, there are times that we stop dreaming because we're not, we don't, we don't, we don't think about life. We don't view it in through the right lens. And, and when I'm, what I was saying before that sometimes we allow ourselves to become so discouraged by life that we just give up and stop dreaming altogether. Like in in talking about dreams, I I can't help but think about Joseph in in the book of Genesis. That that Joseph, God gave Joseph some very vivid dreams. Some very clear dreams about what his life was going to be like. And then his life started to take some twists and some turns and some detours. And things started to look anything but like those dreams that God had given him early on. And, And perhaps Joseph, maybe he got discouraged. Maybe he had some doubts along the way. Genesis doesn't record that forest. But it would have been very easy for him to get so discouraged with, with what life was looking like. All right, I had thoughts. I had dreams. God, this was from you. And now I'm rotting away in a prison. I've had my name totally tarnished. Uh, maybe I just need to give up on those dreams, God, that you gave to me. And, and in all the things I listed just a few minutes ago, like it can become so easy to become disheartened by life, that we give up on dreaming altogether. But, but I don't believe that's what God has for us, nor what he desires for us. In fact, Solomon wrote in Proverbs chapter 4, he says, I want you to look straight ahead. Fix your eyes on what lies before you. And, and I know this for me, like I, how often I end up spending time looking in the rearview mirror at the things that weren't what I wanted them to be in the past the failures the the things the things that didn't turn out like i wanted and and we can spend so much time looking backwards that we end up missing out on what god has right in front of us he goes on to say mark out a straight path for your feet stay on the safe path don't get sidetracked and how many times have we gotten sidetracked we've gotten discouraged and sidetracked with with this thing or this distraction over here and keep your feet from following evil like it, it can become so easy to focus on the dreams and plans that have failed, that didn't come to pass, that we can end up missing out on what it is that God actually has for us, the the purpose that He has for us that's right in front of us. And sure, like there are definitely things that we can look back and we can learn from our past. There, there's things that we can we can look backwards and 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 we should learn. We we ought to do that. But if we spend so much time focusing on what was. On what didn't happen, the the things that didn't turn out the way that I wanted them to, we're going to miss what God has right in front of us. The the next thing I want that I think stops us from dreaming big dreams, is that sometimes we have a wrong view of self. We have a wrong view of ourselves. There, there's there's many times, and again I'm speaking to you from, just from a place of, of honesty and just talking plainly with you today. That there's many times that we stop dreaming because of how we feel about and how we view ourselves that if we if we see ourselves as mediocre if we see ourselves as as a loser as a failure as someone who's never going to amount to anything we're never going to succeed at anything we're always going to stay in that own pit in, in that pit of ours that that we've created like when when I was a teacher and being what the a male teacher in the earlier grades I I had the the distinct pleasure of having to deal with a lot of the the kids that had consistent behavior problems, and, and one of the things that uh, that in my role I was the lead teacher in the primary academy. One of the roles, or one of the things that I would consistently tell some of my fellow teachers was that that our students will rise to the expectations we have of them. It's the same thing that I've seen with parents, and and when I when I was a, a children's pastor for a while, it, it broke my heart when I would hear parents. In front of their kids, talking about how their child was just a brat. How they were a hellion, a hellraiser. And their kids are hearing them say these things. And if they hear you constantly saying those things about them, they're going to meet those expectations that you have of them. And it's the same thing in our lives too. That if we're constantly calling ourselves a loser, a nobody, a failure, I'm not qualified, I'm too old, I can't do it we're going to rise to the level of expectations we have for ourselves. And the way that we view ourselves is going to impact whether or not we allow ourselves to dream and pursue the purpose that God has for us. Kyle last week shared one of my favorite scriptures. It's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Where Paul writes, he says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things He planned for us long ago so whether you like it or not whether you believe it or not God says that you are his masterpiece that he created you in Christ Jesus to to accomplish to do great things that he had planned for you well before you were ever a thought in your in your parents eyes somebody needs to hear that today that you are a masterpiece that if all you view yourself as is broken and damaged and lost and a failure and a screw-up There's two things. Number one, you're believing a lie because God says something different about you. He views you as a masterpiece. And number two, God has a purpose for you. Things that he had planned long ago before you were ever born that we're going to miss if we continually see ourselves in that kind of light. Regardless of how we may feel about ourselves, God's opinion on the subject is what truly matters. And he views us as a masterpiece. And I think the last thing that kind of helps us uh, or prevents us from dreaming big dreams is we, we talked about a, a wrong view of life, a wrong view of self. Sometimes we just have a wrong view of God as well. That I think way too often our, our vision, our thoughts about God is, is way too small. And this can be reflected in, in our prayers, like like how. And I don't mean this in, in a judgmental way. I'm pointing the finger at myself too. But how many of my prayers focused on God? Help me to have a good day. Help me to have safe travels. Like like it is we, here. We have a relationship with with the Creator of the universe. And what we're asking of Him is God. I want to have a good day. Like like sometimes our our vision of who God is, is way too small. Like. Like are, are we believing God for big things? are we believing God for the impossible? and I think one of the I think this is one of the reasons that we stop we stop dreaming that that maybe we've lost that sense of that awe and wonder that we that we are in relationship with with a God that spoke the world into existence who can bring people back from the dead who can restore sight to the blind? who can do the impossible? Jeremiah said it like this in Jeremiah 32. Seventeen, He says, Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Like nothing is too hard for God and we can trust Him and believe Him for things that may seem completely out of our reach. And so sometimes we stop dreaming because we have a wrong view of God, that that we're viewing God in too small a lens. Instead of trusting that He truly is the one that, that can that can do exceedingly abundantly beyond anything we may be able to think or imagine. God has a purpose for every single one of us. And it's not just to, to live, eat, sleep, work, pay bills, pay taxes, and die. And I'm convinced that God has put dreams inside of every one of us in this room right now today. That there's things that God has placed inside of you. There, there are things that God is stirring your heart about. And and maybe what we've done is maybe we've just kind of pushed it aside. Maybe we've just let it, let it atrophy in a way. But God wants us. He created us to make a difference in this world that we live in. And instead of shoving those dreams down, shoving them aside instead of convincing ourselves, you know what, it's never going to happen. There's no use in trying. Maybe we we actually need to allow ourselves to to dream. God, what is it you want to do in my life? What what is it? What difference do you want me to make in the lives of those around me? At my place of work, here at church, no, no matter where I go. And and I'm not I'm not talking about dreams of like owning a Corvette, retiring when you're 60, and having you know a, a house on on a, a vacation home on the beach. That's not the types of dreams I'm, I'm talking about. But I'm talking about like a God-honoring dream. One that makes a difference and leaves a mark in the world that, that we're living in. So let's talk for just a few moments here about, about a God-honoring dream. And so this first thing, I want you to write this down, is that a God-honoring dream will seem risky. When, when, when God places something inside of you, it's going to seem risky. And, and, and again, I'm just going to be honest with you, and this is going to come as no surprise to people who know me well. Like, um, I am a very calculated risk taker. Like, I, I, I like to be fairly certain of the outcome of something before I go ahead and, and pull the trigger on it. Like, I, I, I like to have a, a, a pretty clear idea of what's going to happen Next. And maybe maybe it's a control thing. I I like to think it's it's wisdom, but I'm I'm probably just fooling myself. But when I'm weighing things out, trying to decide what to do, what course to take, I like to have a high degree of certainty about what's coming up next. But the difficult thing for me is that's often not how God operates in wanting us to partner with Him in some God-honoring venture. Like God rarely if ever, ever spells out the exact way that things are going to work out for us. Rarely if ever does, does he ever do that. He he's the one that told Abraham says, "Alright, I want you to pack up everything you own and you're going to move to a place that I'm going to show you. I'm not even going to tell you where it is. You'll just know when we get there." Like he he's he's the one who told Gideon that he had way too many men in his army for this upcoming battle. All right, I want you to send a whole bunch of your army home. And don't arm them with swords. Arm them with torches and jars. Like, he, he's the one that told Joseph not to be afraid to take Mary as his wife. A woman who, who was pregnant by the Holy Spirit, who was going to be the Messiah. Like, that was a pretty risky venture. Joseph had no idea how that was going to play out like when when God calls us into our purpose rarely does he spell out exactly what it's going to look like it's going to seem risky and when god is moving it rarely feels nice and tidy and neat and where we can predict the outcome and i'm not making this about about me but like when we accepted the call into ministry it scared the tar out of me like it, was, it was 2009. We had to sell our house in the middle of, of the housing crisis that, that had just started and move down to a small town in, in Indiana that, we had never, that we'd never heard of before, leaving our families and our friends and everything that we had known. Like, it felt incredibly risky because there was no way. Like, I, I took a pay cut from a teacher's salary to be in ministry. There was no way that we could afford to pay our mortgage up in Milwaukee and afford to live down here. Like, it, it scared me. Praise God that he worked it out that we sold our house relatively relatively quickly. But the writer of Hebrews talks about this fact in Hebrews 11:6. He says, "Without faith it's impossible to please God." Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Like journeying with God, following God, walking in your God-given purpose, it's going to seem risky. And it's going to require that we take some steps of faith. That we take some steps without knowing what the outcome is is totally going to be. But he promises that he's a rewarder of those who earnestly, who diligently seek after him. The, the second thing about a God-honoring dream is that a God-honoring dream is going to require God's involvement. When, when God puts a dream, a, a, a dream, when he God stirs your heart about something, it's going to require that he is involved in the process. If it can be accomplished purely by our own our own skill set, our own wisdom, our own talent and cleverness, our dream is way too small. That we need God to show up. We need Him to be involved. Because in the end, a God-honoring dream should bring glory to God, not to us. And I want that to be said of us here at, at Living Stones, That man, like this thing that we're doing right now, it would have failed had God not shown up. There's no way that we could do this under our own power, our own might, and our own strength. There, there, there are 44 different times in the Bible where the phrase, but God, is uttered. And, and most of the time, and man, this would be a great sermon series sometime, but most of the time, it's, it's, right, there, there was some kind of, uh, you know, hope seemed to be lost, but God showed up. Scripture talks, you know, the wages of sin is death, but God's gift is eternal life. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, but God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive together with Christ. And and we we could share dozens more where, where on our own there's no possible way it could happen, but God showed up. A God honoring dream, a God given dream, requires that God be involved in it. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. Says that this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Which side note, I totally wanted to name our son Zerubbabel, but I got I got outvoted. So just, but this, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. The dream coming to pass isn't going to be because of our own strength and our own thoughts. And our own wisdom and our own talents and our own abilities. It's going to be by God's spirit operating in our lives. And the last thing I want to say just about a, about a God-honoring dream is that a God-honoring dream will change lives. Our, our purpose in this world is not about building our own kingdom or enriching ourselves or, or making, making us famous or making my life better. That, that's, our purpose in life will never be about enhancing my kingdom. Without fail, a God-honoring dream and purpose will always be about the benefit of somebody else. Every single time. And as I stated before, it's not about building the name for ourselves. It's not about building my own comfort. But it ends up being about making a difference in the lives of those around me. That we can have thoughts and we can have plans for what our future is going to look like. And we ought to do that. We ought to have ideas of, of what we want you know, our our future to be, we should save for retirement. Like, we should do those things, and those are good. But our purpose, the God-given purpose that God has for each one of us, should always be about making a difference in the life of somebody else. Because this life that we live is not about me. It's not about us. And yet we're constantly surrounded, we're constantly bombarded by messages in, in the culture that tell us the opposite. That, that we ought to pursue comfort, that you deserve it. That you should build a name, build a platform, and you should get ahead. But the purpose that God has for us, the things that, that God stirs inside of each one of us, is always going to be linked to making a difference in the life of somebody else. And, and I'm not talking just about like being a pastor. I'm not talking about being on staff at a church or being a missionary. That God's, God has a calling and a purpose for every single one of us, regardless of that. Wherever you are. Like there's an idea called vocational calling. That wherever your sphere of influence is. That's what God has called you to. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be in full time vocational ministry. To make a difference in the lives of others. You're already called. God has already given a purpose to every single person sitting in, in this room. And I guarantee you. That God will and has given you thoughts, put things inside of you, given you dreams about how we can make a difference in the life of those around us. In the message paraphrase in Ephesians chapter 1, it says, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up he had his eye on us he had designs on us for glorious living part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone we all play a part in in the story that God is writing every every single one of us from the youngest to the oldest no matter how like skilled you may feel how inadequate you might feel like you play a part in the story that, that God is writing. And and I and I want to close with this thought today. I had way more that I was gonna get into, but I, I figured you guys would want to eat lunch before 1.30. So I had to I had to trim it down. But I but I started this series on purpose calling and gifting with this message for a reason. Talking about dreams. About thoughts, because God places thoughts and dreams and ideas in our heart. You you heard me say it multiple times. There's things that God stirs our heart about, and it's going to be different for every single one of us. You know, maybe the thing that God is stirring your heart about and and put a dream in your heart about is is to be a foster parent. Maybe it's to serve or mentor. At risk youth, you know, maybe maybe it's to help those who are dealing and struggling with addiction in one way Maybe maybe it's to, to volunteer at a local library and just to be a smiling face to somebody that's there God has put things inside of every one of us that are here because we all want our time on this earth our very brief time To be significant to matter And i'm telling you all too often we give up on those dreams And we give up on those thoughts or maybe we, have, we refuse to allow ourselves to even dream. Because it just seems too hard. It seems too far-fetched, too crazy, too difficult. My life feels too, too busy, too out of control. And I, and I want to encourage you in this series. I want you to be praying. I want, you to be, I want you to be asking God, God, what is my part? Not just where can I volunteer here at the church. That's not what I'm talking about. Although that can be a part of it, but what what is the part, God that you want me to play in the story that you're writing? Like be be in this series, be open to what is it that God might be stirring your heart about. What are the opportunities that I see around me, all the time? And ultimately, like I want to I want to close our time here with sharing a quote from Bob Goff that really ministered to me so much when I read it. If you can put it up on the screen, he says. I used to be afraid of failing at something that really mattered to me. But now I'm much more... Now I'm more afraid of succeeding at things that don't matter. And I think that's such a a beautiful, beautiful statement right there. That God has called each of us. God has given us all a purpose. And one thing that that we are experts at... And I I don't mean this in condemnation. It's just like we, we become... So good at succeeding at things that ultimately don't matter. Ephesians two ten says that you are God's masterpiece, made anew in Christ Jesus, to accomplish the good things that God had prepared way ahead of time for you. You have a reason for being. God has given you a purpose. And there's no hierarchy of it. And we're going to talk more about this in, in the coming weeks. But that quote that, that Bob Goff talked about, I used to be afraid of failing at something that really mattered. But now I'm more afraid of succeeding at things that don't matter. That, that we would be okay, that we would become comfortable in trying those things that maybe really do make a difference. And, and who knows, maybe we will fail. Maybe we'll try something and it won't work out. I'd rather try and fail at something that truly matters than to devote my life to being safe and comfortable and really succeeding at the things that in the end don't really make a difference at all. Would you bow your heads and let me pray for us this morning? But Father, I I love you so much, and I'm so grateful for you, Lord. I'm grateful that you are, are, are here, that you are present, that you have created every single one of us, Lord, that you have put dreams and ideas and thoughts inside of us, Lord, that there are, that there are things inside everybody in, in this room here this morning, things that you are stirring in our hearts, Lord, that, that, that God, maybe we've never even thought of before. God, that you've called us to make a difference in this world, Lord. Not, not just to go through the motions, not to, not to enrich ourselves and, and make our life comfortable. God, you've called and put a purpose inside each one of us to make a difference in the lives of those around us. And Lord, as we, as we talk about this, as we, as we go through this series, Lord, I, I, I pray that, that our hearts would be open to you. That we would be open to, to your stirring. We would be open to what it is that, that you might be moving inside of us. Maybe maybe those dreams that we had long ago that we've just kind of shoved down and we've just given up on, maybe maybe this would be a time that that we resurrect those and bring those back up. God, finding what it is, God, that you've called each one of us to, Lord. Because we aren't here just to exist. We aren't a mistake. We aren't here by accident. But we are created on purpose for a purpose. And Lord, in this, Lord, I just pray that you would help us to see what that is, to find our spot of what it is that you are calling and asking each one of us to do. Father, we love you so much, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Good morning, church. My name's Clive Neal and I'm the only one here that doesn't have an accent. And I want to say one more thing about these sports shirts. You have a weird view of football. uh, uh. So Pat has spoken eloquently about our dreams and plans and how sometimes we get punched in the mouth. And when that happens, we tend to get focused on the pain and the heartache and we sort of lose perspective on why we're here and what we do and what we should be doing but it's good to know that that we have a faith that does allow us to view our lives through a godly perspective however that pain and heartache can make us sort of forget that we're focused on the the hurt how I've been wronged how I've been physically hurt, mentally hurt how I've been let down notice there's a lot of eye in there but it's good to be reminded and try and see our lives through God's eyes have a godly perspective on all things because those punches represent learning experiences and learning opportunities and if you keep getting punched maybe you're not learning the lesson and you keep repeating it so what is a godly perspective and there's a few verses that come to mind um, maybe the most famous one is in Matthew, but this is also from Mark. Mark, I have to put my glasses on. Mark 12, 28 through 31. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which one is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. We've heard it said that God is love. And Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 8.3, But whoever loves God is known by God. And again, 13.8, 1 Corinthians 13.8, Love never fails. And this is seen by God's sacrifice. He sent his son so that we can live. And we can live by having a godly perspective on our lives. And we come to the table each week to give thanks for that sacrifice, to give thanks for that love that he continues to show us. We just need the eyes to see how that love is being expressed to us through the trials and tribulations that we face. But remember... Our relationship with God is an active one. If we pray asking him to fix everything and we do nothing, we may not get the results that we want or that we would like or that we need. Move closer to me and I will move closer to you. It's an active relationship and it takes faith. And Pat said, it's okay to fail. NASA said once, failure is not an option. If you don't fail, you don't learn. And life is full of learning experiences, and they're not failures, they're learning experiences. So as you come to the table today, I urge you to ask for that godly perspective and to learn those lessons. And we, we have an open communion. Everybody's welcome. You come up, and I just ask not only to give thanks for the sacrifice that God made and continues to make in our lives, But also to ask for that godly perspective. So when you leave here, you start viewing things a little differently. That you're not just getting dumped on. God is trying to teach you a lesson. Why are you letting this happen to me? Because you didn't learn the lesson last time. So I ask for that for everybody, including myself, because I've been dumped on a lot. And I'm trying to learn from that. All are welcome at his table. Um, and I ask you to come forward after I pray we have gluten free options it looks like on every table so if you just bow your heads with me Father God we just pray that this week would be a a new revelation that we get your godly perspective on all things that happen to us and that occur in our lives and that we can learn from those and get closer to you We want to be closer to you so that you will be closer to us, Lord. And in all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.